right, everybody. Welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we have a very special episode for you today. Um, we are joined by a debut author, Vanessa L. King. Um, and so Vanessa is a Texas-based romance author. Um, she spent two years picking up the peelings of the best in New York City burlesque scene and has glitter her inner pumps to prove it. Her debut novel, A Certain Appeal, is a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice with a burlesque spin. It is available everywhere in November 2nd, but of course you can pre-order it now and you should pre-order it now. Welcome, Vanessa. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, yeah. thank you. For and I was coming. right. That is, this is your first novel, right? Yes. Yep. Very exciting. Um, yes. So, what do you think it is about Pride and Prejudice or Jane Austen that makes her story so ripe for retelling? I mean, it's one of those. I keep saying I was I've been asked this a few times, um, even in like a write up for the book launch. It's like, tell us some things about yourself be the publisher (laughs) and your interest in Jane Austen. And I keep going back to the fact, especially with Pride and Prejudice, that I mean, what there, what isn't there to love about kind of railing into a guy about his faults and offenses and him taking it seriously and reflecting on it and changing his behavior. So as far as Elizabeth and Darcy, you know, you have that interchange where he's, he actually takes it seriously and, appreciates it and is very thoughtful about it and changes his behavior accordingly. So that's always positive. Mm-hmm. That's a nice thing to see. No, but I think that's true. And I think it's one of those, I, I feel like I read somewhere that there are only really like four stories that are ever told. And I feel like within mm-hmm. romance, it's like this story of it's like kind of enemies to lovers, but misconceptions at the beginning and kind of like turning around to love yeah. is such like a, a, primordial romance story so we have two characters coming to understand each other better Mm -hmm. and their perspectives and again taking a second and reflecting and being like okay maybe I wasn't right about my first impression or why we maybe clung to those initial first not so friendly thoughts and especially with Pride and Prejudice where you have Wickham coming in and doing a very nice job of you know confirming those biases and making her go like, I know, right? Oh, that guy's the worst. <laughs> we love it when someone you have someone else to bitch with. So that works out very well and remains very relatable. And there's also, you know, like the meme that goes around that Jane Austen understood that there's nothing worse than people showing up to your house unexpectedly. You're like, I know. Oh. This is a horror that continues to plague us to these days. And then people not knowing when to leave. I mean, it's a horror. I think that is next to being buried alive. People Oof. coming over unannounced is is seriously my worst fear. I I don't know where it comes from, and at some point I will uh, get uh, help to try to uncover why. But if a doorbell rings and I don't know who it is, I'm like, "What is this? What is happening is to me? Place? I'm in panic. I get into like fight or flight. <laughs> Honestly, it's so weird, and I don't know why. But I do think that that is something that is like in all of us. Like, please drop me a card first. <laughs> Yeah, which is really actually very polite. Like we will, be, I shall call upon you. Like, oh, thank God, I'll know where to pay, to put on pants. At, this is great. Like my landlord will do that. Will will just? I mean, <laughs> they live in uh, right above me, so obviously it's. But th- it's nice that they announce that they're gonna like you know they ring the doorbell or whatever. But still, I'm just kind mm-hmm. of like I don't want what 
to, I don't want this right now. You need to give me like a yeah. month's notice mm-hmm. before you uh, come here, even though it is your house. <laughs> it is technically <laughs> you your property. You may own this, but like. Mm. Exactly. I, I'm going to need some time. Yeah, I'm the only one in this conversation that I'm like, sure, stop by anytime. I don't mind. <laughs> and I like, I love it when people stop by. And also like my greatest shame is that I don't know when to leave a party. Or I'll be like, I don't want to be the last one at this party. It's always so annoying. And then I'll be like, leave the party early. And then I'll be talking to someone. I'll come out of the bathroom. And then it's just me left at the party. And I'm like, damn it. Again, I can't, <laughs> I can't leave. But I thought I knew. Yeah. Um, so have you always been a romance reader? And have you always wanted to write romance? Sort of like, what was your journey towards? <laughs> your journey I, to romance? Yeah, what was my journey, man? I, <laughs> I just wanted to write in general. Uh-huh. And so as I, you know, read more, because I have I have a lit degree, you know, unemployable lit degrees. Yay. Um, and always enjoyed reading, always enjoyed writing, and never really thought about it as a, you know, viable anything, but figured I'd have a go of it. And, you know, wrote something when I was living in New York, I went to the um, Gotham Writers Workshop, which was great. My mother-in-law got that for me for Christmas one year. So thank you, Cheryl, who <laughs> got me on this path. And um, and a great group out of that where we met for two years exchanging work and you know having meetings in restaurants and other people's apartments. And it was just so much fun. But I never had any idea where I was going with the writing. I was just like, here's people hanging out. Isn't that great? Like, they're so well-adjusted and clever. And my writing group was like, That's, yeah, but... Um, they're just like sitting there being clever and well-adjusted. You need a plot. And so that was always my challenge. And as time went on, I kind of discovered that the new adult thing was happening. I was like, great, people in college. That's fun and directionless, but they're still trying to figure something out that's kind of like a plot. And then it was no longer 2014, so no one wanted new adult anymore. So um, I was querying regardless, and just happened to be, you know, texting with a friend who said that she was working on a retelling and she still hasn't gotten it out there, but it was going to be a retelling of the Wizard of Oz set at a concert festival. Which oh, that I would be would work well. So fun. I, yeah. I know. Get on that. She Tell her to keep going. Yeah. I know. Come on, Erin, get on that. <laughs> She's also named Erin. Yeah. Um, I assumed it wasn't like a ha- subtle dig at me. <laughs> Exactly. Also, maybe you should explore that. And Clayton, get your shit together, too. Also, why not? Clayton, get on that. You've read plenty by now. Yes. You have have to have something in mind. But but this friend of mine was like, retelling. It's like, okay, I'm done with this conversation because now I know exactly what I want to do. And so Pride and Prejudice came to mind. And I had the burlesque experience to fall back on, which kind of feels like you're living in an alternate reality anyway. So that was obviously the perfect venue to set things in and just got going from there. But I know I'd only been reading romance in the past few years and realizing, oh, this is really fun. Like, I get it now. This is really fun. So it's just been more of a recent thing, even though I told the story in a very circular way to get back to the question. (laughs) But the writing came first, I guess, before the romance. Yeah. And that was something where as I read more, I realized like, oh, you're like, this is how this works. You get to do this. You get to tell these characters stories and these and focus on the relationships. And yes, it's plot, but also they can still just hang out and be clever. And sometimes that's 
the best part of it. And then they make out and it's really great. Well, and, and, and the good thing about the romance template, like you said, is it is something that you can really grab a hold of where, you know, it's going to be the main focus is going to be the relationship. So you can add things around it, but then you know where it's going to end. It's not necessarily going to end exactly where uh, every other romance will, but you know it's going to be happily ever after, right? So you're working yeah. towards a point. And so in a lot of other books, like like you were saying, well, maybe my protagonists just never see each other again, or one of them dies, or there's a disease, <laughs> oh, no. or it's or there's so many open-ended where your head just spirals out to... I don't know what's going to happen. You at least have that endpoint, and exactly, I'm too indecisive for other things. Like, okay, I know they're together. Great. Now, and what does that look like? I can at least narrow that down. Mm-hmm. And then, how do they get there? I'm like, that's fantastic. I have a journey, destination. We're set. Yeah. And then with the retelling, it was even better because it was like, and I have these story beats to hit, and I get to choose which ones. Now, can you, you talked about you had a writing group after you uh, stopped, you know, the Gotham Writers thing ended. Would Mm -hmm. you, what were your experiences with that? It seemed to be pretty positive, but would you recommend that for people who are trying to write a book for the first time? Uh, Is that something you would say, find these people? Yeah, I mean, that was something that really, I mean, it was really great having that support group. And it was, I mean, people of different ages. I mean, my, I always called my New York dad, Bill, was literally two months older than my actual dad. I mean, wow. he's in his 70s now. It was, it was a really great experience. And we had people, like I said, of different ages and backgrounds and storytelling approaches. You know, we had a couple people who really did love doing short stories and others like me, who didn't really know what they were doing, but really love sharing pages. Like, is it my turn again? Thank goodness, because I have words. They were like, okay. You would share every time if you had the option. So tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was great. And like I said, we met for, I mean, it was three years. They only recently, and there was some turnover and the group evolved over the past you know, decade. And they only disbanded about a year and a half ago, just, just before COVID things hit. So they kept it going. So it was great. And then... When I was in Seattle, I also found a group there. There were some people who were meeting on Saturdays, just like, we'll hang out at a coffee shop and write and just be, you know, let peer pressure do its thing and keep our nose to the grindstone. And that worked out really well. But I found a critique group um, through there with other people who just wanted to get some eyes on their pages and get some feedback. And I mean, we turned it into a social thing. I mean, we hung out all the time. Someone would just be at the coffee shop and shoot out an email and everyone else would show up and it was really great. Go to movies. It was very cute. (laughs) That's so fun. Did you, so do they, did you send out an email and be like, look, I'm public. I'm going to be published. It was at a huge. Oh yeah. They're super stoked. Yeah. It's great. My New York crew is like, we're going to have a party. Like someone's already offered to host it once the world opens up enough and we can all get back over there and that'll be great. And then my Seattle people are kind of scattered all over now, but they've all pre-ordered. Which is very exciting. Oh, that's you got to pre-order. Yeah. That's I know. Please, you got to pre-order. That's so huge. But can I ask you a real quick question <laughs> too, Aaron? Sorry, I'm just like taking over this. But I think the biggest thing I always think about for uh, people who've written their first book is that first time they see it, the first time they physically I know hold it. How, what was that I like? I haven't done that yet. The books landed. They're physically here, which is a big deal. Like they're in the States, which is a big deal because I was reading that someone's debut book um, 
the container it was on fell off the boat and sank. And so they didn't have their books, which is horrible. It's so horrifying. I know. So like, they're like, it landed. I was like, okay, thank God, because (laughs) I have context for how that could, might not happen. And it would be very bad. Um, So, but they should be shipped soon. And so I'll get to like, hold my, I've seen photos. Someone else has touched them. Yes. So that's great. And they kind of staged it. There was like a cute wallpaper. I'm like, wherever you are, you're looking good. So the spine is really great. I'm excited for that. But yeah, no, that should be like coming up this week. I should receive them. And that's, that's, that's big. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. I yeah. can't wait for you to be able to do that. <laughs> oh yeah. There'll be an unboxing video. It's going to be a whole thing. Nice. Like, oh yeah. I'll cry. Probably like maybe like a little, probably. You got to, you'll though. have to, yeah, you have to There'll tag be us in it and we'll share it too. Oh yeah. Cause like, oh, yeah. You guys. We'll yeah. share with the moment. Well, as I mean, just as a creative person to have that, it's so rare that you have something like physical now, right? I mean, we do a bunch of podcasts and by no means this is close to writing a book or anything. But, you know, you do, you know, if you record something and things like that, it's it's more ephemeral, right? It doesn't feel like a physical thing. Like Like I can click on it. Yeah. But like (laughs) when you have a book, it's it's just this thing that you can pick up. It has weight. It has, you know, something extra to it it's made from yeah. trees it's part of the earth it's Sorry, organic yeah yeah um so i will get to experience that soon well all of your books were made from trees that were already dead i know exactly <laughs> like it wasn't just it wasn't like i was like that, that one, one yeah <laughs> cut it down i'm gonna name it and put my do book you know out. the big authors do get to pick the trees that's great i'm not there yet but it's something to I'm aspire to They'll be like, yours is from this general area. And I'll be like, that's fine. Um, Well, back to a certain appeal. I loved it. And I especially love, um, she has like four names in the book. And and Ben and Lizzie and Elizabeth. But she is, yeah, yeah, she's such a wonderful character. Um, And I love the way that she owns her sexuality in such a realistic way and that she's not somebody without, uh, she's not somebody without insecurities, but she seems to be somebody who really takes a lot of joy in her physicality in a way that I really loved. And I feel like you don't read a lot. And I just thought that was so interesting. And I just loved that aspect of her so much. Oh, I'm glad that was, cause that was something that working in the, uh, the burlesque show that I did, that was you just saw the joy from the performers. That was so, you just don't see that anywhere else, I feel like. I mean, because everything, I mean, so many other places, it's very, body stuff is very serious. You see models walking, they just have that, I mean, they look very unhappy. <laughs> it's like, this is your job. I'm sorry. Like, those shoes probably hurt, but okay. And then you get this, everyone just leaps onto the stage or struts on and they have this vibe about them and burlesque that is just so enthusiastic. And it, I keep just saying joyful because that's what you got from it. I mean, I'd be backstage with these gals and they'd just be, you know, complaining about their day and like some tourist was in front of them with shopping bags and they wouldn't move and they're going on and on. And then they get on stage and it's a completely different, like they just change and think like, sure, maybe fake it till you make it. But in the moment they're, in it and just experiencing this joy and sharing their bodies. And you just have this like, look at me, I'm in charge of this and I'm going to take off what I want and shake it how I want. And this is what you're getting. 
And it was just, you just don't experience that anywhere else. And so I wanted to share that with everyone. And I feel like even in Bennett's case, she's around that so much that that's just become part of you know who she is as well. Well, I was just going to ask, how did you get involved in, in burlesque to start with? Yeah, I, um, I mean, there was wine and the internet, <laughs> which is a great start to many an epic tale. And I don't know like how those came together other than like, it's a Friday. And I was just dorking around online and there was some article along the lines of 10 things men wish women would do with their boobs. And I mean, in my experience, it's like, show up with them. Yeah. And well, how much can like, you do? There you go. Like, that's, are, are you not entertained? I'm having trouble um, thinking of more than three. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, great. And um, it's like, this is fantastic. Let's find out because this seems ambitious. And the first one was like, press them against glass. <laughs> that sounds unflattering yeah. and or dangerous. Please don't. And then I was like, what kind of glass? Yeah. <laughs> are we wine glass? No, anyway. Um, but the second one was twirl tassels. And, you know, it starts Joe Weldon of the New York School of Burlesque. And I was like, that's it. Of course, New York has a school of burlesque. I was living in Park Slope at the time. It was like, let's look into this and click the link. And the very next day, there was an opening for a um, confidence course. I was like, I love confidence. Let's sign up for that. I'm going to nail this. (laughs) This is going to be great. And so the next morning, I was like, "I head hurts. And also confidence. Let's go. Um, but the first rule of confidence course is you don't talk about confidence course. So you just got to go to it. And it's amazing. And after that, I was like, I'm signing up. I want to try the intro course. And I did that, which was great. Um, but I was never, I've never had a head for choreography. I like that's, I, I imposed that on poor Bennett in the <laughs> book as well. I was like, I can't get in that mindset. So neither will you. And so, um, but I did perform two student showcases to um, Oogie's song from The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> so I stripped down as from a full Oogie Boogie arrangement. So I had like stitched up sleeves that I was able to slide off and had a whole hood thing with little mesh eye holes I could see through. Um, but that was the extent of my peeling experience. And then I um, emailed Joe just asking about kittening because she said, you know, if you're ever interested, there's always shows I can recommend you, um, you know, as a kitten. And so she suggested I check out Dwayne Park. And I went in and they were like, sure, here's a shift on Saturdays, come pick up their stuff. And so I did that. And it was fantastic. What is a kitten? I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, the, The stage kitten is the one who picks up the peelings of the performers. So when they take off, the kitten picks up. Okay. And then you do other sort of like co-hosting duties. You know, there's generally the MC, you're the host of the evening, and there's you know the occasional bit of banter. They'll make some random stuff up about you. And you're like, I know. <laughs> and um, in my case, I sold um, tassels and pasties made by some of the performers. And there were trading cards that had performers of burlesque on them that were really fun. So I would sort of scoot around scantily clad and offer my wares. So that was a good time. You can meet some interesting people. Harvey Keitel was in a bunch because we were in um, Tribeca at the time. 
And he would always tell the same joke, like, do you think my kid wants some of these cars? I was like, I work at the community center where your child takes swim lessons. <laughs> he does not want these cars. He is seven, but okay. <laughs> well, I'll take, I'll laugh next time you say it too. It's yeah. <laughs> oh, Harvey. That's great. Like, it does oh, it still exist that. Uh, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're over on um, what used to be the Bowery Poetry Club. So oh, they're over oh, on Bowery I know now. That is. Yeah. And they've done some really creative stuff during the pandemic where mm-hmm. they've had outdoor performances and you know, mask things. So they're they're still keeping it going. So I'm impressed. We'll have to go check that out. Oh, um, you should. <laughs> so the well, the other thing that I love about the book is obviously it takes place at Park Slope and they go to Stone Park Cafe <laughs> and all yes, for the biscuits and gravy. Yeah. <laughs> I live at Park Slope now. Clayton is a former Oh, okay. Parkslopian. Yeah. Um, so that's always fun to read about. But then I don't I don't think this is giving away a part of the book, but I do want to hear your version of it. So there is despite her uh, living in Park Slope and being kitten at a burlesque show, there's one other like major event that happens in the book mm-hmm. that you two experience that is like yeah. both very New Yorky and very odd. But yeah, yeah, not great. That? No. Yeah. So in, I mean, in Pride and Prejudice, you have, um, you know, Jane going off to visit Bingley at, um, he's a a state that they're letting and she catches a cold because she's in the rain because that was her mom's plan all along. (laughs) Get her sick. She's stuck there. And then Lizzie goes and takes care of her. And so Darcy gets to, of course, see her in this nurturing role and, her, you know, eyes are brightened by the exercise. It's a whole, it's great. I mean, we love it. And uh, my version of that is um, taken from the experience I had where the roll down security gate outside of the cat hospital um, fell down and hit a woman on the head and um, cut her scalp open. Ugh. And then I got to hold it together waiting for a very long time for the um, EMTs and police to arrive. So... That wasn't cool. Um, There was a kid involved. The gal was a nanny. And there was this little kiddo who was there where his leg was shaped very much the wrong way. Oh, no. um, Because he'd been hit as well. And it was, he was just in shock. So at least there was no, and everything was internal. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't too gross. But I, I remember seeing it come down. It has this wobble to it. And I'm walking and I was like, I'm gonna have to deal with that. I'm half a block away. But there's no, like, something's going to go down. Like, it's literally going down, and I'm going to have to go, like, that's going to be me in just some capacity. And then I show up, and there's a gal with the bloody head, and she sits down, and I just sit down. That's her that's her skull, and just hold the scalp together and just wait for someone else who with more skills than this very old lifeguard that I was at the time. <laughs> it's like, this is my, this is beyond my standard of care. I shouldn't be doing this. Someone gave me gauze. I was like, oh, okay, thank you. Wow. Yeah. So Bennett gets to do that. Jane gets conked on the head. Poor Jane. And um, she sees a little bit of scalp, but then we just, she just covers it up and all is well. She does a very good job. She stays very calm. So good for her. So have you uh, witnessed any gory accidents uh, recently that you can add to your next book? Or is that, (laughs) are you waiting for that to really trigger, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was a kid at a running meet in Southern California in like 2004 
who someone was like, oh, someone fell down. You need to go give him a Band-Aid. And I was like, I can do that. And then he's bleeding all over the bathroom. And I was like, that's your shin bone. Oh, gosh. Oh, I don't want to look at that. So that was, that was gross. He didn't run that day. <laughs> <laughs> this poor kid. I was like, oh, sorry to tell you, but you're, you're not doing this meet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't fallen back on that one, though. I might just sort of curb it. Yeah. Curb the gruesome events and just be like, I've got one. That was, that was like the best one. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to be hard to talk. Hopefully I don't have better stories. That's true. Yeah, That's exactly. a hopeful thing. It's like, hopefully you don't have to yeah. see anything grosser. I'd rather grosser. I mean, there's still the possibility that my child would do something behind me, but for now. Oh gosh. Fingers crossed <laughs> that doesn't something. happen. <laughs> she, she hasn't hurt herself really yet. So like we've been no hospital visits, not on one. So yeah. Let's keep it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not for lack of effort. On her part, right? She's a goer. Oh, yeah. She's, she does not hold back. So I'm surprised. Pleased and surprised. Yeah. How, how old? She's seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yep. But she was born just right before we left New York. So. Oh, wow. She was, she was born in uh, Sunnyside. <laughs> Down oh, at my Maimonides. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Everything in the delivery room is broken. It was amazing. <laughs> every chair, every piece of equipment. I was like, just get her out. It's fine. Let's get out of this room. Yeah, Mamadides is a rough scene. Yeah, it was not great. There was a lot of screaming happening in the other rooms. I mean, I know that's what happens in movies, but I'm not screaming. (laughs) Why are they screaming? Is it not to go bad? Do you miss New York? There are parts of New York I miss a lot. I mean, I loved walking around and, I mean, there are just so many just uniquely New York experiences that... I miss, I mean, just again, walking around and then having some guy in front of me blasting all that jazz on his headphones and singing along with it. And I was like, I'm going to sing too. He's singing very loudly. So no one will know, but also let's sing along to all that jazz. This is great for two blocks. Like I'm not even following you. We just have to be going the same way. And it was great. And, and then those random moments where you're just on completely different parts of the town and you run into someone from a completely other spot, like, Oh, context. Like I do know you. That's great. But then also, you know, you walk past Natalie Portman and you're like, no, I did not go to high school with yep. that person. That is a very pregnant Natalie Portman. You <laughs> stared at her too long and it was weird. Sorry. So I had that with John Totoro like two nights ago. I walked by him and was like, are you one of my friend's dads? And then I was like, no, you're like, oh a very famous actor that I've been watching yeah. for my entire life. <laughs> Twice, I almost hit Steve Buscemi on my bike. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, he was walking through the bike lane. Like it wasn't even a like, you're a shitty cyclist situation. It was like, you were actively in the lane for the bike. You need to move. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Donnie. Like, well, that's a great thing too. It's like when you live in the city everybody needs to go by those same rules. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if Buscemi is Buscemi. He should not be in that bike lane. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. He looked very startled, but that's also in like his face. So. Yeah. <laughs> Who can tell? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned, I think on your website that you're a big audiobook fan and yes. Clayton and I are on the record as having a tough time, but it can be. Yeah. Do it you have any be. like tips for us or like, Tell us why you love audiobooks, because maybe we'll love them too. There you Because I started listening to them in earnest in New York. And so mm-hmm. I have a lot of memories of just walking around, like very specific, oh, at this point in the story, I was on my way to this subway station kind of thing. Um, but it's it does depend on the book, for sure, and the reader. I have returned books based solely on 
the reader. I mean, there there was one I was like, you sound like you're 12. Mm-hmm. And then the sex is happening. And I was like, no, you should not be doing that. <laughs> that gross. age voice. I don't want to hear it from you. It's like, I'm so sorry. I will definitely redeem my credits elsewhere. But I cannot listen to this child voice do those things. So, um, or like really inappropriately old sounding voices for a YA series. It's like, this is an old man. <laughs> These boys are 15. That's not. But it does, yeah, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it does definitely depend on the story and and the reader. I lucked out with my book um, when they were casting the, um, well, the casting director threw out some ideas, one with someone where I was like, she sounds 12. <laughs> and we cannot have her say you purpled my nurple. So <laughs> let's move on. Um, but I threw out Julia Whalen, who is my very favorite reader. I mean, she did... Um, Malibu Rising, she's done Emily Henry's books that are uh, the last two that are out. And I was like, this swing for the fences, let's try. And she she was in and available. Oh, and awesome. we got her. And I screamed and did a happy dance. And it was the day we were moving in here, actually. So I was in the kitchen, very disgusting and very happy to not be carrying a box. And then I got the good news. It was a moment. But um, and I'm still kind of reeling from that. It's very cool. And she's, yeah, I think they're done. So that should be, it's supposed to, it comes out the same day as the physical copy. So oh, that's awesome. experiencing it together. I know it's a whole situation. So are you, are um, you going to be excited for when they send you the 27 cassettes in a giant exactly. clamshell be heavy. and you get to touch every single one of them every single one. <laughs> and like rewind it with my, pencil yes, yes. And get it stuck in the car and then it gets warped on the dashboard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, talk about an experience. That will be many levels. That'll be awesome. But I actually, I do though, I have a list of readers and books that I really, really like. There's a series by, or there's a duology by Lenny Taylor, um, Strange the Dreamer, which is a, it's very romantic fantasy. And the, he sounds like Tom Hiddleston. And you're like, hey, voice I don't mind for 10 hours. You can just stay in my ear. That's great. And there's a really there's As You Wish, which is Carrie Elwes's um, memoir of filming Princess Bride, is the full cast. So it's all the surviving members chime in, and they've all written their pieces, and they read them, and it's so wonderful. I mean, it is weird to be like that's Jack Skellington <laughs> in my ear, and you're Prince Humperdinck, and it's just piecing together twenty some odd years later into my adulthood. Okay. Um, but like Billy Crystal's version, like submission is done over the phone, very obviously. <laughs> um, but it's so, and it's based in that case, it's basically a a love letter to Andre the Giant, and it's so wonderful. But you can hear the joy in their voices talking about that time. So, yeah, I love that one. But I do have like a, a three page handwritten list of um, my favorites. I think it's on my Instagram somewhere. <laughs> I was like, this was a choice. Let's use my hand and write this out. So that's up there too. Yeah, we. Uh, I think the. I think the main thing for us, and you know, especially for me, is that I, I'll kind of lose my focus when I'm listening mm-hmm. to a, a an audio book, and that's what I don't like because I I sometimes will just skip past parts and then yeah. I'll have to rewind, and I always I always have an issue with that where I can listen to podcasts fine. And I'll admit sometimes I zone out a little bit, but not not so much that since it's a narrative or even if it is like a nonfiction, you feel like you're losing something with a podcast yeah. unless it is like, 
you know, a narrative podcast, you don't feel like you're missing much if you zone out for a couple minutes. Uh, I know, especially yeah. with our podcast, you're not going to miss anything if you zone out. <laughs> you don't need to listen to every word. No. Yeah. You can dip in and out. You'll get what we're the general meaning. And that's it. Are they still talking about soap? That's mm-hmm. fine. That's, I'm there. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the things that really always bumps me when it comes to that. But I did I did recently because Amazon will do that thing where they allow you to do the free. Yeah. Hey, sign up for this for a month. And it rotates like every year you get that opportunity yeah. to just like download an audiobook. And I got the this one that's Ron, Ron Howard and Clint Howard. Oh, it's called The nice. Boys and it's about their early life acting and it's and it's read by Ron Howard and Clint Howard. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this one because I know their voices because they're, mm-hmm. you know, well-known actors yeah. and a director at this point. But, you know, his voice from Arrested Development. Right. So of course. and I was interested in the subject matter. So I'm like, I'm going to download this and listen to it. And it's been going pretty well. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see if I can finish yeah. it. You know, because it's also like 19 hours, which is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, OK, like he's like your life isn't that interesting. Yeah. Else, but it can't be. <laughs> but I mean, I'll try. I'll see. I'll see. Yeah. Tina Fey's Bossy Pants was really fun. And so was Amy Poehler's Yes, Please. And Steve Martin's was really good. Born Standing yeah. was really fun. Oh, so no. there's a lot of autobiographies and memoirs I've done that. Those are, those are sort of good, like, easing in. Like, if you're interested in the person, that's a good way to just sort of get started. Yes, and especially if they... them tell you stuff. Especially if they read it, too, right? Because sometimes yeah. you have to check because they'll be, you know, uh, it'll be a celebrity memoir, and then you see, oh, that's not them reading it, it which is so... Yeah. You can't. You can't sell an audiobook if on a memoir if it's not you reading it. Yeah, there's a really bizarre... One about the his, like the oral history of Saturday Night Live that's done by a full cast of no one from Saturday Night Live. They're like so and so reading as Tina Fey. Yeah. Like this is she's there. Did you ask? Yeah. Is like she wrote this. This is her submission. Are you? Uh-huh. That would just be imagine having to get everybody from that book because <laughs> I've read that book several times because yeah. I'm a huge SNL guy. But yeah, imagine yeah. trying to get everybody. Like you can see also. You know, Gilda Radner, the uh, Belushi, the people that are exactly. have left us. Obviously, you can't you can't have them. But mm. you also, if you wanted to, you could piece together the sound from all the different <laughs> things they've done. And I'm sure and you're going to get all those it. words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just make it weird. Let's do it. Exactly. I'm in. Okay, so w- let's do some. Let's do some. Uh, <laughs> let's do some stuff Stop. that's specific to our podcast. We want to know. Yeah. Because we're learning the tropes. we got to know what your favorite tropes are. Oh, man. I mean, Enemies to Lovers is great as long as it's done in a way that makes sense. I mean, you can't just jump straight to There's got to be that transition time. Unless they're just like going at it angrily. <laughs> that's fine, too. Okay, there's a gray area there for me. I mean, that's, that's a transition of a different sort. I think, Exactly. Too. Yeah. We're connecting at least down south. But mm-hmm. not, I still hate you. Like, that's fine. Um... What else? I mean, I'm very anti-secret baby or surprise pregnancies. I mean, like, that's just, I mean, that's a nightmare. I can't get around that. I'm sorry. Like, we're a nightmare to see fertile folk. My mom got pregnant with my younger brother when after she had her tubes tied. So, like, we don't Oh, jeez. Wow. I know. That's, that's tenacious Like, that's sperm. a thing. <laughs> I, right? Like, the world, world needed him, apparently, mm-hmm. in it. So, like, Harrison, gotta step up, buddy. <laughs> you happened for a reason. Well, what are some other ones? I mean, 
only one bed, especially when you can see it coming. They're like, we have to go to a hotel. It's like, I know what's going to happen in there. There's just going to be one. And you'll be so chagrined, but it'll be great. And then the like no strings is also really great because that does like, again, I see where you're trying and it's not going to work, but it's cute. <laughs> like how long you guys will go. Um, as long as it, there's always a misunderstanding to a degree, but not, I mean, if you can be resolved with a phone call, don't talk to me. Come on, let's be adults. This, I at least hope that that I kind of had that going in a certain appeal where they do have conversations and get things sorted in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Even if I like maybe cop out with a letter, but that was canon. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. No, you do a great job of sort of sticking to, um, to the story of pride and prejudice too, in a way that I thought was really interesting. Cause yeah, when Wickham shows up, I'm like, this is lovely. <gasps> I forgot Look about at this, this guy. This is great. And his horrible pants. Yeah. Yes. But I always think it's funny when people start <laughs> railing against like, and not that you are, but I feel like I've seen mm-hmm. it like other places against misunderstandings. Cause I'm like, do you know anyone who just says exactly what they're feeling? Exactly. <laughs> like I like, feel like to be, there's yeah. tons of just misunderstandings or people making assumptions or people mm-hmm. bringing their own history to new relationships And I always find those things to like, you can tell when an author is doing it in just a way of like, um, I don't know what to do here and I need to pad this book out. And obviously nobody likes that, but I think when it is just like, uh, I'm too caught up in my own feelings and I don't want, and I'm afraid to say the thing that could solve this because of whatever, like, I'm like, that always does feel very realistic to me. It's very human when it's like, it could be easily solved, but like, I just can't go there. Like we've, yeah, we've had that moment. So We've yeah. all been there for sure. But it's like, I turned my phone off. You're like, don't turn your phone off. <laughs> Dummy. Yeah. Do you have any tropes that you absolutely are like, I can't, I can't read a book with this trope in it? Well, I mean, I haven't come across any that have really, really thrown me. I mean, like I said, like, you know, Secret Baby kind of just kind of confuses me. Mm-hmm. Like, are there, I mean, I've had one. Like, you can sometimes tell people. I don't know. Um, or like, you know, the whole like, oh, our child is Wait, here you've had a secret baby? Well, I've had a child. Oh, okay. So it's not like. <laughs> Surprise. Because if it's a secret, you you talked a lot about her. So. Yeah, I'm really? No. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm taking advantage of your podcast to alert the world <laughs> that, that my child, who has hopefully been picked up by now. Yeah. <laughs> She's fine. We're four minutes away from the school. It's totally fine. She it's she a box character. Out. It's fine. It's, she's great. She's very, she's probably just on the playground. It's fine. Just a lot of resolve. Um, but there's, I do struggle with like the alpha thing in a way that like, that's not really how humans behave in a healthy manner. I don't know. I mean, there's some heroes we've come across. I'm like, that's, that's just gross. Mm -hmm. I don't really see that as redeemable Or, or the work isn't put in to fully, redeem them or at least show the steps toward the redemption. You can't just go from, or, or like a massive change in behavior that everyone just sort of like waves off as well. Oh. So like that can, so it's more about being taken out of the book, I guess, or the story than the, the tropes. Like if you can pull it off, great. Um, I'm open to it. But you know, if you suddenly have someone behaving in a way that doesn't make sense, you're like, wow, well, that was a problem, but we're fine now. I'm like, but why did he do it? <laughs> that wasn't him. 
that that seems to be the consensus with romance readers. And I think Aaron says this all the time. It's like there are tropes that you dislike until you don't because yeah. somebody does it so well. Like there, I don't think there's yeah, a trope, right? There's there. I can't think of a trope that can't be done well enough yeah. for someone to like it, even if they don't prefer it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just one of those like, well, I certainly don't want to be, be accidentally pregnant, but okay. If this character can't be, if she can work with it, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, I think it'd be hard in a contemporary because it's like, we kind yeah. of have, there's a mechanism in which mm-hmm. you can fix this, but yeah, yeah, maybe in historical. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned that you have only started reading romance in the last few years. Do you remember the first mm-hmm. romance you read that you were like, ah, like it made it click for you? Some of the, and it was the new adult sort of thing that I was like, oh, we're allowed to like kind of do this was, oh goodness, is it Colleen Hoover? I mean, some of her stuff that I've got, you're like, oh, that's gone really dark of late. And there's always sort of traces of that in some of her things, but um, Easy, I don't remember if that was her, I think that was Tamara Weber, who was pretty popular at the same time. And um, that just... Yeah, it kind of surprised me, and I really liked it. And so just started exploring more things beyond that. And then, of course, you get the rom-com rush and the rom-com slash. This is women's fiction, but also they make out, so here you go. Um, A.K.A. we put a cartoon cover on it. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, all that means is that the book was published within, like, 10 years, I would say, of The Hating Game. <laughs> that tells you nothing about the contents. It's just, yeah, that's just interesting. But anyway, that's a whole story and conversation to be had. Are you, I mean, because the cover of your book is a cartoon cover, but it is mm-hmm. gorgeous. It is yes. really beautiful. It's really pretty. It's really yeah. Pretty. Cute. I was, ha- that was a, I have a story about that too, actually. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of back and forth. I was very surprised at the direction they took it in initially because we had like characters standing back to back and she looked like Pam from The Office, oh. and he kind of looked like, you know, David Boreanaz mid-Angel run. And I was like, that's not a bad look, but also he's just sort of a rectangle. What's going on? It's like, can they at least look at each other? And can she be, like, she's sort of a bombshell all the time? Can we work with that? And they were super receptive. So we had about, you know, five different versions of it. And um, actually on my website, I did a blog post about it where I have all, I have photos of the different um, versions of the uh, cover as we went along and it it changed a lot. So, but it was, it was neat to see because my only other experience with that was when someone in a, I was in the uh, Forever Young Adult book club when I was in Brooklyn and someone else in the book club had a book coming out. And she's like, oh, they've given me three to choose from. And I like kind of have veto rights, but not really. They'll just pick it. Um, and so it was good. I was glad to know that I actually got some to make some input and uh, see some changes. They didn't quite get the hair that I wanted for her. It's like, it's still a little Grecian. Can we go rockabilly? No. OK, that's fine. <laughs> they brought down her hairline, though, because it was like an eight head for a bit. <laughs> like, thank you. It's good that you did but, get some input, though, um, yeah. which, like you said, some authors don't. It is kind of a, hey, these are your options. Yeah. No, I was very fortunate. And the fact they have her stepping on his foot is my favorite detail. 
<laughs> she's just getting in his space. And he's it, like, you were having starched hero coming on starch. Like, this is it. Which, yes, favorite trope. <laughs> nice. There we go. Just to circle back. That's it. Yeah. I, I do. I, you did mention the the characters standing back to back. It's such a popular mm. thing for these cartoon covers. And it is so late eighties, nineties, cheesy sitcom stuff. Like, I I don't understand that. Like, you know, how is that better than a clench? How is that? I know. Like, I mean, my kingdom for a clench. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still happy, but like, come on. Like, we've just gone. I mean, how a contemporary clench, I feel like, but with the same like soft focus and things. I mean, maybe I just haven't seen it, but I just feel like that hasn't really happened. You have contemporary, like, intensity but just not you know Mm -hmm. quite in the moment in the field of flowers kind of thing which is so beautiful so yeah that's fine but yeah but i do yeah with back to back i was like this is very like how to lose a guy in 10 days and even like pretty woman ish except for there was no joy they were just very unhappy and they had their arms crossed and again she was in a cardigan i was like wow yeah (laughs) i mean no offense to the cardigan but you know it's no, a cardigan. Really would definitely be. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. not indicative of your character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what have you read lately that you've been loving? I have been catching up with a lot of other, just trying to stick with the other contemporary, you know, rom communists. I really enjoyed um, The Worst Best Man, it was super cute. And I really like, what are some other ones? I mean, um, you have me at Ola was really cute what else I, of course like as soon as someone asked i'm like i have books <laughs> that i cannot name i listened to this was a great listen i listened to um get a life chloe brown and that is read by um oh goodness what was her character's name on bridgerton the one who was um like the like simon's godmother oh danbury whatever her book. yes she was fantastic oh, wow. she has that sort of um, her to her voice that so when she's saying things like you know like how she compares her nipples to like slutty batteries or something it's like that's so fantastic coming <laughs> out of that voice it's amazing so that was really fun and yeah I mean most of these I listen to and really enjoy that way and of course you know people we meet on vacation I just did and really liked and mentioned before Malibu Rising was really good and but yeah there's just so many yes I keep like oh yeah all my audiobooks I love you so. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a great list. Do you, um, and so oh, the Ray Kess was great as well. Which was, I'm really sorry. The Ray Kess. Oh, I need to read that one too. I feel like oh, it was so good. I'm so backed up always. <laughs> I'm just, just well, so yeah. many good books. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my DNF pod was also, I shouldn't, I will not go into that, but those no, are the two. Stay in the pod. And like, life's too short. Like, don't need to do that. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, And again, maybe it wasn't the author's fault. Maybe it was just because the girl sounded 12 and I did not want to hear that. It's fine. Yeah. Will you ever do something where you were listening to it and you liked it enough, but you didn't like the voice? Will you switch over to the book? I, yes, I did. And then I ended up not liking the book anymore. (laughs) So I was like, oh, it wasn't just the way that the word cupcake happened a thousand times in this book. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what it was. I was like, I can't listen to that word again. And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even a cupcake shop book. It just 
was sort of adjacent mm -hmm. and it kept coming up. And I was like, I don't want to hear that word anymore. So I got it from the library and I was like, oh, I don't want this story anymore. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, you tried. That's all That's all yeah, you exactly. could ask like, for yourself. I had two, two attempts, two versions. Yes. And, you know, that was, that was some effort. That was good. Yeah. I was waitlisted. Like, I had to want it. So. Exactly. But, yeah, so, Erin, uh, is there anything else we want to tackle? Well, <laughs> as you know, as a listener, uh, we always end every episode by asking what has a swooning. So is there anything that you have been swooning about lately? Other than oh, gosh. your book coming out, which is the most yeah, swooning thing like, possible. Other than your book not oh, yeah. falling off of a uh, freighter <laughs> yeah, ship. Yeah, falling off <laughs> ship. And like now that the, yeah, I know, like, Hot glue doesn't put off a lot of fumes. So that's, you know, as much as I've been spending time with that, it hasn't been getting to my head mm -hmm. um, that I know of. Uh, I just finished watching, courtesy of Crafting Time, um, the third season of Sex Education. And, oh my goodness, Adam and Eric in that season was, I don't know if you guys have watched it, but it is a bit of a commitment because it's three seasons in now. And it what they've done with some of the relationships on that show is just so lovely and realistic and some things are completely off the walls bonkers but it is it's a really fun show and i like what they've done with some of the characters and the different sort of elements of sexuality and human behavior that they're going into and of course and it's um jillian anderson as a blonde english sex therapist just in there yeah do that yeah why not keep doing that that's great yeah, I feel so like I started sex one. education, like I watched the first few episodes, but I need to go back mm -hmm. because, yeah, I feel like people are loving this season. So, yeah, and it, yeah, it went some unexpected places. And of course, like the first season start, I mean, every episode starts with like characters going at it. You're like, wow, that was a lot of you happening at once. <laughs> I don't even know you or your name. And I know like the, the yeah, some of the characters in there have. You know, I've changed so much. I'm so happy for them. Like, I'm tearing up being like, look at you, <laughs> made up person, playing pretend. You're doing so well. I love that. And then, if, I mean, and also, you know, obviously, Ted Lasso wrapped last week. Mm -hmm. That was my, like, go-to in the morning. If I didn't have other stuff, I should be doing. I always have stuff I should be doing. But I was like, I am going to fold laundry at 6 in the morning, actually 5 in the morning, and watch Ted Lasso before the internet ruins it for me. And that was a very nice way to start Fridays for a bit. So, yeah, me and a lot of other people, I think. Um, all right. So everybody should have pre-ordered a certain appeal. It's really such a lovely book. And that it is your first book is kind of crazy because it's so well done and it's so okay. readable um, and it's so much fun. And it you can tell that you have such an insight into the burlesque world, which is not a world <laughs> I have any experience with. So it was really fun and it felt like you were being led around by a really, really good tour guide through that sort of space. And it made me want to start going to burlesque shows as well. So other than pre-ordering a certain appeal and then listening and or reading it on November 2nd, um, how else can our listeners find you? They can find me at vanessalking.com is my website. And that'll have links as well to Twitter, which where I am Vanessa because I refuse to shake family nicknames. And I believe I'm Vanessa Lee King on Instagram. I should know my Instagram handle. It is my preferred place to show up, but I should know it. I guess if, since I'm the one who's going there, I don't have to know it. She's there. But uh, would we'll make tag it in the notes below. Yeah. I think exactly. we follow like, you. Vanessa doesn't know herself. <laughs> 
Like, I have a whole address I had to learn recently. I got to plug in my zip code when I get gas. I'm like, where am I? I don't know. Oh, I hate that. That's, Getting yeah. Adjusting. That's where I know I've made it, though. I'm like, okay, I know where I live now. I can leave my gas at the pump by putting in my zip code. We're good. Yeah. But it does take a few weeks. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was so fun to get to talk to you. Um, and Thank you for having me. We would love to have you back for your second book, whatever it might be. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and thank you for supporting the show. Absolutely. 